Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and it's the 12th of October, 2022, as I record this intro. And first, a big announcement. As you know, I took a bit of a step back with the podcast this summer, sharing a series of flashback episodes. I hope you enjoyed revisiting some listener favorites, and I snuck in a couple of my favorites in there as well. I spent some of the time I freed up considering the next steps for the podcast, including whether, being in its seventh year, it felt like time to wrap it up. And what eventually bubbled up was a new vision for the podcast helping people figure out how to apply bigger picture unschooling ideas in their everyday lives. I want to help listeners explore how these big unschooling ideas work on a more practical level, in real life, with the real people that make up our family. That direction feels really joyful to me. So here's how the Exploring Unschooling podcast is changing in support of this shift in focus. Anna Brown and Erica Ellis will be joining me on most episodes to bring more perspectives, experiences, and stories as we tease apart what unschooling ideas might look like in real life. There'll be shorter episodes that dive deep into more focused topics. We're moving to a bi-weekly release schedule, and you might also notice the new logo. <laughs> I'm feeling really energized and refreshed about this shift. But wait, there's more. Anna and I are starting a new podcast. It's called the Living Joyfully Podcast. And what sparked the idea was recognizing how much of what we talk about on the podcast and in the network isn't actually about unschooling. It's about life. Which also connects with comments we've received from listeners about how they'd love to share this or that exploring unschooling episode with a friend or family member but that the mention of unschooling would turn them off. So in this new podcast, we're going to talk about life, relationships, and parenting without mentioning unschooling. We want to reach people who are curious about prioritizing the relationships in their lives, but aren't sure what that looks like or how to go about it. And we want to make it much easier for you to share this kind of information with your family and friends without having to get into the whole unschooling thing. We're going to start with some foundational ideas to get things rolling. Topics like priorities, connection, consent, open and curious, beyond right and wrong, and so much more. <laughs> there really is so much to talk about. And while the podcast isn't about unschooling per se, everything we'll talk about there is foundational for unschooling to thrive. These episodes will be released weekly, also on Thursdays, and starting today. If you're curious, episode zero, which is a quick introduction to the podcast, is out now. Just search your podcast player for The Living Joyfully Podcast and subscribe. There are also new Instagram accounts for both podcasts and for The Living Joyfully Network. You'll find links to all of them in the show notes in your player. So there you have it. Anna, Erica, and I are very excited about this evolution of the Exploring Unschooling podcast and about opening up the conversation around relationships to a wider audience with the Living Joyfully podcast. We hope you're excited too. So 
That brings us to this week's episode, a Q&A deep dive. This is part of our new vision for the Q&A episodes. We want to take one question and dive deeper. This week's question is from Joanna. How can I convince my spouse that unschooling is right or good while I myself feel I am conducting a big experiment? When will I feel confident that this experiment will work out for the best? As always, our Q&A conversations aren't focused on giving anyone the quote right answer because there isn't one right answer for a given situation that will work for everyone. Instead, our focus is on exploring different aspects of the situation and sharing what bubbles up for us through the lens of unschooling. And if you have a question you'd like us to dive into, follow the link in the show notes to submit it for a future Q&A episode. Or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash question and submit it there. We would love to hear from you. (laughs) Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And thank you so much for your support during this shift. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support is instrumental in keeping the podcast archive, audio, and transcript freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support the show, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. So don't forget to subscribe to the Living Joyfully podcast so you can listen to our first full episode next week. And we'll have a new Exploring Unschooling podcast episode in two weeks, where we'll share the first episode in our new series talking about the, quote, rules of unschooling. Things like always say yes and no curriculum and no bedtimes. We use the word rules in quotes to draw attention to the fact that there is no such thing. It can feel easier to reach for a set of rules to follow, especially when we're learning something new, but we want to offer you space to look within, to find what makes sense to you and what makes sense to the individual members of your family. There are no unschooling police. Nobody is going to drop by your house and give you a failing grade or an A+. Our goal with this series is to explore these apparent rules and cultivate an environment for self-discovery, for inquiry, for agency, and for growth. I am really excited for that. And I'm also very excited for this episode. So now let's dive into Joanna's question. Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca. And today, Anna Brown and Erica Ellis are joining me to explore a listener question. Hi to you both. Hello. (laughs) Now, before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that our Q&A conversations aren't focused on giving anyone the, quote, right answer. Because there isn't a universal right answer for any situation that works for everyone. So basically what we're doing is sharing food for thought through the lens of unschooling. So Anna, would you like to get us started? I would. Okay, so I'm going to read the question. Hello, thank you for your show. We have been homeschooling our kids since the beginning, but that was through a public school that offered enrichment classes two days a week. When those classes stopped because of COVID fear, I started unschooling. It had been dawning on me that no matter how fun I tried to make school, I was always trying to get them to do something they'd rather not do for the most part. Um, They'd be much happier playing all day if I let them, so I finally did. 
I love unschooling philosophy, but in practice, it's hard for me to relax into, even though I'm reading and listening and thinking about this for much of my time. So I'm wondering how you convinced your spouse that this is right or good while I myself am conducting a big experiment. When I feel confident that this, when will I feel confident that this experiment will work out for the best? Self-doubt is always on the edge of my confidence. And so it's very hard for me to be persuasive with this. Any ideas, resources? Thank you. Well, thank you for the question, first of all. Um, I will say I am pretty clear with myself that I don't want to convince anyone of anything. <laughs> so I want to trust that they're on their own path. Um, but I loved reading, you know, reading that you're reading and listening and going to, you know, all the podcasts and all the things and taking in all this information, because I think so much of the mechanics of it will start to sink in. And then next comes the practice, like you're finding the day to day, the, where you feel it in your bones. And that comes from remaining connected. So during the times where I was wondering about our path, I would realize that I had kind of drifted out of connection and I would just lean back in, go to them, see what they were up to, listen to the stories, play the games, watch the show, just be with them. And then the learning and the joy was so evident. And that always brought me back to the present and kind of out of my head. And so while I think it's really important to learn and to take it all in and to explore all those pieces of it, it's just as important to get out of our heads and connect with our kids in front of us. And because I can tend to be that person that reads a lot and, and researches a lot, you know, that was something that I kind of had to relearn over the years because I would do that. I'd kind of dive deep into learning about something, but realize, hey, I'd kind of drifted away from the day-to-day -day connection with my kids. And as for the spouse piece of the question, I really think that's about tending to the relationship. You know, are you feeling connected to them? You know, are you sharing all the fun stuff that's happening, all the amazing learning that's happening every day? Um, because what I found is when, as I was sharing that, it was sinking in for me too. And if they have specific concerns, you know, hear them, just take them in, validate, let's talk about that and, and really validate, validate and, and look for that to not get defensive. Um, Life is an experiment. <laughs> Handing kids over to complete strangers to follow a process laid out by the powers of the moment also an experiment <laughs> and one that often fails the individual. So I don't worry so much about that. I focus on connected relationships, knowing that, you know, as we tend to the moment in front of us, we're creating the future that we all want together. So, Erica, what do you yeah. think? Um, thanks so much for the question. I found it really interesting to think about. Um, particularly, I grabbed onto that word experiment. Um, I love that you use that term because I think that could be a great clue or a great place to start with a mindset, sh a mindset shift. Um, I think we hear things like this a lot, something along the lines of unschooling is this kind of unsure, experimental, off the beaten track, kind of out there option, or maybe even that choosing school and a more mainstream controlling parenting style will somehow be easier or more of a sure thing. And so maybe that would be something to dive into and question a little bit, like is unschooling really experimental or is school more of an experiment? Because school is certainly a more recent invention. Um, so that's just something to ponder. And is there something guaranteed about the outcomes of schooling or mainstream parenting? I would say there isn't. And so it might help to recognize 
recognize that there isn't one way that will yield this desired outcome and another way that's more experimental. Either way, we're dealing with people who are different. We really don't know where their lives will lead. And so really what we're looking at is just choices that have no right or wrong answer and no guarantee one way or another about how things will turn out. And so for me, the most valuable places to look for guidance on making those choices were my own inner voice and my kids. My intuition inside would tell me when things weren't feeling right or when it felt like I was putting an external expectation on the children that didn't seem to fit them or make sense if I really started thinking about the situation. And then if I looked to my kids, if I was willing to listen to what they're saying, they would make it clear what was working for them and what wasn't. And I think most people probably push against the kind of control that happens in school. And so if I'm listening to my kids about that, they would say that they don't want to be in that environment. And so my intuition would tell me not to push past that message. I really um, loved your observations about your experience of trying to do those schoolish activities at home. And it felt like you were pushing them to do things that they would rather not do. And so I think those are the kind of signs from our kids that can prompt us to look at what's really going on. Um, what could life look like without those activities? Do kids learn without us deciding what they should learn or pushing a certain way or a certain time to learn? And I do think it does become more challenging when you have a partner who's not on board with the idea of unschooling yet. And I feel like we've talked about this a lot. It's a really common issue. I know we've talked so much about um, communicating with partners on the Living Joyfully Network, but I'm pretty sure it's been part of some podcast episodes as well. And I guess what I'd say to that aspect of the question is like what Anna was saying, it would probably help to stop viewing it as trying to convince someone or trying to be persuasive. Um, For me, conversations tend to go more smoothly and our communication feels better and more effective if I'm starting from a place of being on the same team with my husband. We both love the kids. We want to create a situation for them where they have the life that they want and to do our best to be supportive providing what they need. I think most parents want that for their kids. And so if you're starting from that common ground, it can help have conversations and help us make choices that are feeling good to everyone. Um, with my <laughs> with my partner, we really both enjoyed reading some Alfie Cohn and some John Taylor Gatto at the beginning to kind of um, start questioning the school path. And then I shared Pam's work and we talked about you know, these visions we used to have for our family and about our childhood and thinking about our experience in school and stuff like that. Those were a lot of the conversations we had early on. And meanwhile, our kids were just living their lives, growing, amazing us with all of the learning that they were just naturally doing. Um, I had one other thought about a possible mindset, mindset shift that could be helpful, and that would be to bring yourself into the present moment rather than getting stuck in thinking about this kind of big picture, long-term view. So I would say, like at this point in my journey, I very rarely am thinking about a question like, will this all work out when it comes to my kids? <laughs> because it's like, there's no way to control for that outcome, one, and two, it's pulling me away from what is happening right now. I think probably at the beginning of my de-schooling, I did think more about that. Like, will this all work? 
but it's been more valuable now to treat each day and each moment as it is. And I've seen enough times that my kids will surprise me with the ways that they grow and learn and develop. So I can't predict the challenges. I can't control things in such a way that I can eliminate challenges, um, but I can meet their needs and keep communication open. And that really has been you know, a path that's felt so great for us. <laughs> yeah, I think that is, that is such an important piece, like that mindset set shift to um, say, well, is there a path that has a guaranteed answer, right? Like, oh, is that something I can even seek out? Is that a question that I can answer? So that's uh, a great thing just, just to ponder for a bit, to realize that there is so much uncertainty in life, no matter which path you choose, but being in the moment allows this moment to work out as well as we can, which helps. And then the next moment works out as well. And, you know, you're, you're in, in the best place that you can get when you focus on the moments because they build over time. Anyway, so yes, of course, I am going to visit that word convince. <laughs> and, you know, with three different ways of saying it, we'll see what connects for anyone but um, for me, it was really helpful. And I absolutely remember the feeling when I was learning so much about it. And I thought this sounded so cool. And I felt like I needed to convince my spouse to that this was a great idea so that we could do it. So it's not like I, I totally remember starting there. But for me, the shift was, oh, so instead of sharing my answer, which is like unschooling, I could share the thoughts that I was having and the observations of my kids that I was making that were leading me in that direction and see what they think. How do those things come together for them? I mean, there's some trust in there and some uncertainty in there. Like, but maybe they'll see something different, but maybe it's something that I've missed. Right. So it's just it's more information. It's more heads. It's working together on a team like you were talking about before. So you can share the things that you're seeing in your kids as they relax into playing all day, as you mentioned. Um, you can share the interesting things you're learning as you listen and read about unschooling, like the the energy of working together. And not, I've presupposed this answer for our family and I want to convince you that this is where we need to go. Like that can build resistance in another person just by the fact, like no matter what you're trying to convince them of, it's like you have an answer that you want. You've made a decision for me, but I haven't really had any input in. Like there's just resistance there. Like I've decided we're going camping next weekend. You know, whatever it is, you have to get through that initial um, resistance to explain, like, why do you want to camping? Where do you want to go camping? What are the plans that you made? Like, so that the information and the thoughts and the observations, and I love what Erica mentioned, like, you can um, start the way to get to that. We're a team together can easily be like, these are our kids. We want the best for our kids. We both love our kids. And it can be like the choice, um, school, homeschool, unschooling, it's about the kids, right? Like they can be involved. It's observing them and chatting with them. Like as you eased up, it's not that they're not doing their curriculum, 
if it's homeschooling, not doing school, whatever it is, they're doing other things instead. So it's like noticing those things, noticing them over time, seeing what they're learning, seeing what they're choosing, seeing the joy in their faces and said, get into the moment with them, because that's where you're going to see all this stuff in action. Um, One thing that bubbled up for me, too, is when you're feeling like that need to show confidence and be persuasive to someone, that can be a clue that you're feeling a sense of urgency around making this choice, making this decision to start unschooling in earnest. And that can add attention to the process that doesn't need to be there, too, right? Maybe you and your spouse can just decide to give it a try for six months and like even better a year. (laughs) You can always go back to the homeschooling curricula, the school, whatever, because it's not a forever decision. You're not making a lifetime decision in this moment. You're like, this seems really curious. It seems like it will be a really great fit. Let's try it out and see. That's where that experiment word comes in. It's perfect. Like, let's learn more about it. Let's see what this actually looks like in our family. Because I'm really curious. It sounds like it could be super, super interesting. Um, The uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, too, is that six months to a year kind of thing. It is really important. Um, Because giving it that time to understand how unschooling works, and to see it in action, that practice piece that Anna was talking about, long enough to gain real experience with it. That helps build trust. That helps you understand the process and what learning looks like. And it looks different than a curriculum. Like the curriculum there, whether or not your kids actually learn it, follow it, et cetera, you can see like it's very nicely laid out in little chunks I almost, I always think of it as a ladder, like, you know, bit by bit, the the rungs are the same space apart each time you're learning this bit. Um, The timeline looks very consistent, yet real learning, when you see it in action, is really beautiful and can look very different. It can be like, boom, boom, and then we can stay here for a while, not really noticing much learning happening, then all of it is like this, like off the charts, and then a few more steady steps, and then we get stuck again for a while, et cetera. So you need a nice expanse of time to really see it in action, to be able to look back and say, oh, look, when, you know, a few months ago they were doing this and then this, and then, oh, they jumped over here. And, oh, look, when I look back, I can see how related that is. I can see the beauty of the learning in action, but it's not something that I can predict. So to really get a feel for unschooling and how it works, it really helps to dive in for a nice chunk of time. And in that time, you're also learning more about unschooling and you're seeing it in action and you're being, you're with them um, in practice with the whole process and sharing these um, observations with your spouse. Um, I just think that's an important piece. It's not like, you know, we're gonna unschool for two months and then we're gonna decide forever whether or not this is the path we're gonna take. That's just kind of setting yourself up for failure. So I just wanted to to mention that piece. <laughs> yeah. I, I, some things bubbled up for me that I want to, and it's actually jumping back behind what you just were saying, which is so important, I think, to give it some space to breathe and to figure out. But it's more about 
what what you were talking about earlier really spoke to something we talk about a lot, which is the no set outcome. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're coming into that discussion with unschooling as the answer, it really shuts down all the options and even the critical thinking. So because this does come up a lot, you know, some things that come to mind for me is when we can honestly say like, I don't know, let's talk about it. Let's figure out. Then we can look really critically at all of the different pieces, because I think asking yourself, like, is it really true that this path is predictable? And, you know, like Erica said, we'll have this set outcome of of everyone's successful and everyone's happy. I mean, no, we know that's not true because we live in the society that where most people are going to school. But also to really ask, like, is it really better or is it just that we aren't responsible? And I think that's a piece that really is an internal piece to sit with. Like, okay, because if I hand them off to school or whatever that institution is, then I've done what I'm supposed to do. And that feels more comfortable. So even if it is an experiment that fails that way, we don't have to be responsible for it. So for me, that was a lot of work I had to do to be like, you know what, I'm okay with this responsibility because I'm living with these children every day. I see how they would not do well in a school environment. I see how they're thriving here. And so I can take that piece, but we have to do some of that work, you know, to peel back those layers, to understand what is the appeal of the other? Is it that we think it's certain? Is it that we are not responsible? So anyway, that is one. That's super interesting. I was thinking um, also about that first part, Pam, that you were saying about giving more of the observations and the information, like that's so huge because if you're coming straight to someone with the set outcome in mind of, I have the plan, I know the answer, I'm going to convince you of the thing. Like that, just the energy that you have coming into that conversation is going to make someone want to put up a wall of defense, you know, because it feels like a lot. Um, But if you're giving the information that he doesn't already have the things like, you know what, when I was doing these activities with the kids, they were so resistant to them. Like I could see like, these are the things they're doing in school and I'm watching the kids do them and they're not having, they're not enjoying it at all. They're resisting this. And then I look over here and they're playing this and they're figuring out how to read these words or, you know, whatever it is, like the real life observations of, of what you're actually seeing that is showing you why you're wanting to choose unschooling, but starting at that place, I just think that's such a great idea. I love that. And and that's where the urgency piece really comes in. It's not urgent to, um, you know, we're living, we're living our days. We're living our days with our kids. Um, It's not urgent that if that timeline that we get there, um, to choose unschooling. And then it's not urgent to like, okay, let's implement this and do this forever. I mean, that's something that we as human beings can be drawn to. Like, it's hard to sit in the nebulous, yeah. right? Yeah. It, of not quite knowing. We all love a path. We all love, um, you know, that comfort. I'm, and I shouldn't even say we all. Most people, 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 many, many people, love the path. Many, many people. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to say that speaks to what Pam said earlier too was um, because this came up on the network um, not long ago, and it was funny how the discussion was about the the two parents and like how they were deciding about what was going to happen, and I was like 
what's the kid want to do? <laughs> what, what's that? What's the little one thinking? You know, and so it's like this is a family decision that impacts everyone. And, you know, so if you end up trying a school thing, it's that checking in. Is that working for them? Whatever, as opposed to this kind of top down, we're going to, you're now set on this path, young children, and you're going to stay there. No, we can all be talking about it. What feels good? What doesn't? What would we like about it? What would we want it to be? You know, and so just, I think sometimes that pressure we put on ourselves to make the decision as parents actually can be really helped by this process of unschooling and the way that we're talking about, you know, collaborating, because you're getting input from the people that are most impacted by the decision, and they're telling you what they want to do and what works for them. And so I like that piece of it, too, to not lose sight of it, at least. That That's one of my absolute favorite things about unschooling, actually, is just like, what it feels like is... we don't have to worry about this nebulous, mysterious future. It's just like, what is everyone needing and wanting and feeling now? And then the things that are the issues present themselves. And then together we deal with that thing. You know, we, I mean, Maya loves talking about future plans. So we do a lot of that too, but you know what, like in this present moment, what are her future plans? What are the things that are getting in the way of what she wants to do? And, you know, all of the, all of the issues that are important to address become super obvious and I don't need to make up, you know, what the problem is going to be in the future. And so making choices becomes so much easier because I'm seeing the reality of what's happening right now, rather than these future worries. Yeah, I love that piece. I love that piece of in of involving the kids um, because it, that can also take a bit of the edge off, like the two parents feeling they need to make the decision and pass it on. It's like we have more people we can get input from. More people, like, they're my observations and my thoughts. And what are they thinking? What are they doing? What are they enjoying? You know when we that that expands the team like and that's going to be part of the de-schooling you'll be reminded a lot to expand the team to include your kids it's like everybody working together noticing what's up in the moment and I love your point Erica about it doesn't mean like being in the present moment doesn't mean never thinking about the future it's more about not predicting the future not trying to predict the future we can absolutely have all sorts of thoughts about the future and what we'd like to do or, you know, how we might like to get there, like all those different pieces. And those are amazing conversations to have in the moment and amazing, you know, and then you have them a month from now and six months from now and you see how things have changed. You know, maybe the context of the moment has changed. Maybe what they're aiming for or wanting to walk towards has changed. Understanding that humans being human beings change is a wonderful piece of self-awareness for adults and children to have with them, right? Because then every moment that you're in, I can make this choice now. It's not, oh, last week or last month or last year, I chose this goal for myself and I have to stay there. Even when maybe I'm not feeling so good about it now, but it's a failure if I don't. But if we can really just embrace and chat about how things change over time, I think that's another amazing piece that that you can bring forward with you, right? Yeah. Okay, so I did want to mention, I have a blog post. I always have a blog post. (laughs) Um, I wrote, it's called What to Do Instead of School. 
And it was big enough. I put it into two parts and I know we'll put links to it in the show notes, but I think that you and your spouse might find it super helpful too. For me, it's just like part of that sharing interesting things is those mindset shifts that Erica was talking about. Just what do you do instead of these these more formal things, even if it's like curricula and you're only hitting the school a couple of days a week or whatever life looks like right now. Um, it can be hard to kind of envision how we might shift from one to to another way of being an unschooling lifestyle. So there's got some interesting stuff about in there about the transition and and thinking about seasons and Saturdays and getting to know your kids and and learning more about unschooling, but also that that whole self-awareness piece too, the conversations and collaboration that Anna was talking about, like all those pieces. They're just kind of laid out there just to give you an idea of what you can do instead of just kind of sitting back. Because so often we can also, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to do these things. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Because at first you can feel like, oh, we're not doing a bunch of things all of a sudden. But what are we doing instead? (laughs) So I thought that would be a great thing to share as well. All right. Thank you so much to both of you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun as always. Bye, everyone. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.